Hey everybody, this is Random Chatterings episode 35. I'm Arlo Rodriguez and my special guest today. <laughs> Random Giggle Fist. I'm Alyssa White and a YouTube channel and a blog. Very cool, very cool. Um, wait, does it. Do you also have a podcast? Do you, or do you. Or am I imagining? I do that? not have a podcast. You do not have a podcast. I'm sorry. I thought I. I was. I thought I saw that I on your. I was on a podcast last week. Oh, okay. I thought no, but I thought I don't know. I imagined that it was on your Twitter bio. Oh, that's really embarrassing. Wow, I already fucked up this interview. Okay, everybody, everybody it's can okay. go home now. Everybody can go. <laughs> it's fine. Um. Nope, I just have a YouTube channel and a blog. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, I checked that out actually. You have about, um, you've made a lot of videos. Um, over about. Yeah. I've been at this for like five years, I believe. Yeah, I haven't really been serious about YouTube up until last year, so there there were a lot of crappy videos, but right now I'm getting really serious about it and actually putting an effort into my videos, and yeah. I'm pretty proud of them so far. Yeah, I definitely noticed um, your progression. Like, already you have a better camera, you sound like the sound is a lot better, oh, yeah. the lighting's a lot better, like a lot, a lot of things that um, that we don't really, like, well, I guess, I, I don't know, some people, they don't really care about that kind of stuff, but, and in some instances yeah. they're saying, your production values are too high, you're too good. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I have, like, one studio light that's, really tiny and then i have my dslr camera and that's it basically what kind of what kind of camera is it it's a canon t6i rebel oh nice um i have a rebel uh, t3i okay yeah one of my i was in la um a few weeks ago and someone said that they had a rebel and i thought excited oh you have a t3i as well as it no it's a 4i it's like oh that's way better than my camera <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know camera specifics. This one was given to me as a gift, so I'm just like, I'll oh, take it. Oh, <laughs> nice. That's so cool. <laughs> I guess technically mine was, but now because I'm an adult and I know how much money it was and how much my parents were willing to pay for it, it's like, it's not really a gift. It's like, a, it's like yeah. I'd like to repay them at some point. You know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Mine was given to me that very good so. Oh, that's really cool. What what camera did you like use like in your early days of your of your YouTube channel? Like when I first started, I had an iPhone 4S and I used that all the time. And then mm. I switched to like a Nikon digital camera, and then I progressed to the one I have now. So I'm guessing, um, what what I guess what made you started like what made you get started on on YouTube? I was just watching people like um, Olga Kay and some other women like Rachel Moore, and I just thought it looked like so much fun. And they were talking about their passions and like how they love like the video game industry and the movie industry and stuff. And I just wanted to be like them, so I just started posting videos of myself talking about what I was obsessing over, what I bought, <laughs> yada yada yada, and that's just how I got started. Just really inspired by some amazing women. That's really cool. Um... Right, so... Are you wondering if... What were you going to say? You are, are you wondering about how other vloggers are? Or? Yeah, I guess, like, what, 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 how other vloggers approach themselves, like, how do they... Because one thing I do appreciate is 
the amount of content that they create and how often they put themselves in, in the spotlight, um, even if it's like a tiny little spotlight, like that's just, that's something I didn't really consider before and that's something I actually do really admire. Yeah, it's a lot of work and a lot of people don't realize it, like having to film yourself and then have to edit and upload and then deal with comments and watching dislikes and having to use social media to spread your videos and channel and stuff. It's a lot of steps and it's a big process and a lot of people don't realize that and some vloggers, it does get to them after a while, Mm -hmm. but if you love what you do, then you know, you can tell when a vlogger really loves what they're doing. They're really interactive with their fans. They take, they're like, they take pride in their videos, and they have high quality content. Right. So you can usually tell when someone really loves what they're doing. What what what's? I love what you call your fan base. What do you call your fan base? Alley cat, <laughs> and that started because um, I'm obsessed with cats. They're my favorite animals ever, and the first three letters of my name are A L Y. So I thought alley cats, and the majority of people always misspell it, but I just call my subscribers alley cats, just because I don't view them as fans, but yeah. I feel like that's just not a, an appropriate term. Mm-hmm. I like to think of them as friends, and I just give them the nickname of my cats. <laughs> did, um, I mean, did you have that, I mean... Did you have the impression of them when you were starting? Or was that something that kind of grew as you like started making more videos? Um, I I pretty much came up with that uh, uh, little nickname for them when I was about when I had like twenty five subscribers, probably. Wow. So I've had it for a very long time for my loyal viewers <laughs> and friends. I've, I've made some amazing friends because of YouTube. That's really cool. Do you want to shout mm-hmm. out to some of them right now? Oh, there's so many. I would feel so bad <laughs> if I left someone out, but there's a lot of talented um, YouTubers I've become friends with and have supported me, and it's been incredible. Like, the two women I mentioned before, Olga Kay and Rachel Moore, have both been so sweet and friendly toward me, and they've helped my channel and given me shout-outs. And there have been so, so many other vloggers who are both richer than myself and smaller than myself have given me support. Um, I know one, um, I know recently, like recently, like two months ago, I noticed that, I don't know if you know who he is, um, Happy Console Gamer. Uh, name sounds familiar. I mean, name sounds familiar. Like, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his. I noticed he subscribed to me and I, I squealed. I was like, "Shane rolling." I was like, "Oh my gosh, Johnny Millennium knows who I am," <laughs> and it's just so cool to think that someone like him would watch someone like me, like someone with such a small channel. Yeah, and he has such a large fan base, and he's such a cool guy. Like I've spoken to him a little bit through Twitter and stuff, and he's so awesome and down to earth. And um, like the Game Chasers, um, Jason Hooft from uh, JKB, Abit Eric. Um, oh my gosh, there's so many people after in media, they've been incredible towards me and they've treated me with, with respect and I owe a lot to them. And That's... I could go on and on and name people, but <laughs> it would take all night. <laughs> Definitely. Um, right. So yeah. What, what, um, what kind of stuff do you like to talk about uh, on your vlogs? I already know the answer to this, but uh, this is kind of for the uh, audience. 
basically everything entertainment related um, films, television shows, video games, books, music, uh, other YouTube channels, just everything entertainment. That's what I love. It's why I live and breathe and eat and sleep. <laughs> so that's it's basically all I know. So that's what I talk about in my videos. What's the movie that you've seen recently that you've... Uh, well, I know you saw uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Yes, and that was magnificent, and I highly recommend watching that. It's amazing. If you can go to the theater and watch it, do it, because you feel like you're just submersed in the movie. Like, you're just... It's, it's like you're in the movie, and it's just such a beautiful, lovingly created film, and I feel like none of people have gone to see it, because... All of Lyons' films have been like that. They created Coraline, Paranorman, mm -hmm. and the Buckles. And even though they get a lot of critical acclaim, they don't get a lot of commercial acclaim. Yeah. But they're so lovingly created, and so much time and effort and work are put into these films. And they're so beautiful and so moving. And I highly recommend Kubo and the Two Strings. I personally gave it five out of five stars. <laughs> and I, I'd say it's good for... Probably kids eight and up because there was a younger child in the audience when I saw it and he started crying during some of the scarier scenes. Oh no! But yeah, he was like he appeared to be four or five years old, so he's <laughs> a little too young for the film. But mm -hmm. I'd say older kids and up, everyone should see this film. It's magnificent. <laughs> I I'm very familiar with with Lyca's work, although I think Box Trolls was the weird one. Where I, I think I just. I was at a beach, and I think I just saw. I didn't. I didn't see this film being advertised anywhere else except the trash cans on like this beach. I was at. I was <laughs> saying, should I go see this movie? I didn't even know it was by like. And if I knew that, I would have gone to see it. Yeah. And I had the chance to see it um, this last Sunday because I was going to move back from LA to Ohio to finish my my education. And my brother, I told yeah. I'd give him the option to say, oh, "What movie should we see?" And he chose the most recognizable movie, Jason Bourne, because it was still in theaters. And I really wish he had said Kubo and the Two Strings. I really did want to see that, yeah. but uh, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not going to take anything against I've it. I've actually never even seen a Jason Bourne film. I would say... <laughs> I haven't seen any of the Bourne films. <laughs> um, I would say... Because I haven't seen Identity, so I can't recommend Identity. Although I heard good things about it, I would uh, Supremacy and Ultimatum, which is the second and third films, are both great. Um, the mm -hmm. Paul Greengrass's style, which is now pretty much a trademark of all of his of all of his films, of how he like, there's like I I think I don't remember what the statistic was, but I think it's someone said that there's like four thousand cuts in his movies, and oh, wow. com comparatively in other films, there's like three hundred to four six hundred cuts. Yeah, and it's just like the the, the pacing of it, like the editing makes the pacing more frenetic than it usually is. There is a lot of shaky cam, though, and I think some people have a little bit of a problem with that, like, they have a lot of hand-to-cam work with, like, the camera, like, moving up and down, like, really f like frantically. But I think um, this the story about Jason Bourne being this this um, spy that was... I'm not spy. This... What's the phrase? This, like... Secret agent? Kind of, but it's like he was, like, an, he's like a decommissioned secret American agent who okay. kind of just comes back because he wants to learn more about who he is because he only he knows himself as Jason Bourne but it turns out um, that he has like this whole history that's been hitting him by the government that, that made him into who he is 
So oh, that's cool. It's a really interesting concept. I thought Jason Bourne though was a bit repetitive. I thought it reminded me a lot of Supremacy, like the action sequences. Though exciting as they were, it felt like it felt like it was treading a lot from Supremacy and Ultimatum, and even this plot line. There's like even a line in the movie of Bourne saying, "Well, why do you want me? I, what are, what am I going to do about this?" It's like then that's the audience is asking themselves that as they watch the movie. It's like, "Why is he back? Like, there's no real reason for him to be back other than that. Uh, it's more stuff that we kept from you, Jason Bourne. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so yeah, um, it was good. It was definitely good. Just predictable if you've seen the other ones. And so I would definitely recommend um, Supremacy and Ultimatum." Of the Bourne films. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna I'm definitely gonna watch the Bourne films sometime. I'm doing the 100 Day Film Challenge currently, so I might oh, sneak those in. Yeah, the 100 Day Film Challenge. If you don't know what is where you watch one film a day for 100 days that you've never seen before, mm-hmm. and I've been chronicling every film on my uh, website yeah. and giving my uh, impressions. And I've seen a lot of great films and a few crappy ones, but <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. That wow! I um, I know this. What's his name? He's on Twitter. DV infat DVD infatuation. He he, man. He has been reviewing two thousand. He wants to see two thousand five hundred films. So I think he's oh, wow. had a, he's had his blog for about how long? I think since two thousand twelve. But that wouldn't be possible because. Cause he's watched. He's like, I think he's at two thousand one hundred right now, or something like that. But yeah, yeah, that's like taking that concept but to a whole new level. I don't even. I don't know how he watches a movie every day or that consistently. Maybe he's been doing it for a lot longer than I think. Maybe it's from two thousand nine or something. I'm trying to do the math because he couldn't. Yeah. He couldn't have watched all those movies in four years. But um, that must be a lot of fun to like schedule time to like watch a movie and then like take notes on it and like write something about it. I mean, I've been having a lot of fun with it. Like currently I don't have a job, so that makes it a lot easier to be able to watch a film a day. Yeah. But I've been enjoying it. It's really helped a lot with my anxiety and stuff that I have. Mm-hmm. And it's been doing a lot of good for me and it's been connecting me with some of my friends and ha- we've been having discussions about these films and they've oh, been nice. giving me crap for not having seen some of the more popular ones that yeah. came out like years ago but it's been, it's been really fun and I recommend it if you can do it <laughs> uh, I mean I'd say I, I would say I would but then there's an anime there's like a 13 episode anime I started two months ago and I'm only 10 episodes <laughs> in it's like I fuck <laughs> Yeah, I need to watch more anime. I've only seen um, Death Note and parts of Attack on Titan and the complete original Sailor Moon anime series. Nice. I've heard that the original. I need to watch more. I've heard the original one is really good, but I thought the reboot. I don't know if it's a reboot or a remake. I don't know, but they call it Sailor Moon Crystal that came out in 2014 was really good too. I've heard it is. I haven't seen it because I started rewatching the classic Sailor Moons because I wanted to feel the nostalgia factor. And then I got halfway through the first season and for some reason stopped. Yeah. So I need to pick that back up. But yeah, I mean, they're really cute and they're really girly. But <laughs> that's probably why I loved it so much as a little kid. Yeah. And really, Sailor Moon is actually what got me so obsessed with the entertainment industry to begin with. Really? That. That and Tomb Raider, the original Tomb Raider on PlayStation right. One, were like 
yeah. got me into the gaming and movie industries. Wow. So, I mean, in in, in what capacity? Um, like, I just became fascinated with, well, gaming with Tomb Raider because um, my uncle babysat me every day during the summer because my parents worked. And mm-hmm. one day I noticed he had this console, which I didn't know was a console at the time. I was like five years old. And he was doing something with this thing in his hands, which was the controller. And I saw a woman doing, like, backflips and stuff in this snowy um, cavern area. And there was a tiger that came out of Mulder, and that scared the crap out of me. But he told me it was a game, and it was called Tomb Raider. And it was on this brand-new console called the PlayStation 1. Mm-hmm. And he let me play it. And from that moment on, I was just in love with Lara Croft and Tomb Raider. And we started to play more games together, like Resident Evil, Silent Hill, nice. uh, Dino Crisis, stuff that five-year-old kids should not be playing. <laughs> and um, from that moment on, I've had a game console my entire life. Like, I've had seriously probably pretty much every uh, latest generation console, and I've had several handheld consoles, and I've just been fascinated with video games from that moment on with Tomb Raider. Yeah. So, would you say you're a Sony fanboy? Fangirl, excuse me. Jesus. I would say I do prefer Sony over Microsoft, usually. I do love my Xbox One, and (laughs) I love the Xbox 360, but I'm more comfortable with the Sony uh, user interface, and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of awesome Sony titles that are exclusive to the PlayStation consoles. Yeah. So I am more familiar with Sony, so I would say I am more of a Sony fangirl than a Microsoft fangirl, but I love them both. <laughs> and uh, Nintendo doesn't even exist. I play Nintendo, but the thing is, as a kid, my uncle never owned a Nintendo console, so mm-hmm. I didn't even get into Nintendo until the Game Boy Color came out, and that was when Pokemon Red and Blue came out. Oh, yeah. And those were the only games I played on Nintendo consoles were the Pokemon games, like... I got a Nintendo 64, and it's the grape one. And the only game I ever got for that was Pokemon Stadium. <laughs> so I don't have a lot of experience with Nintendo. Um, I didn't really play a lot of Nintendo properties until I got the 3DS a couple years ago. Yeah. So um, I was very late onto the Legend of Zelda bandwagon, the Mario bandwagon and stuff, which I like the Legend of Zelda games. I think they're pretty fun. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of Mario which oh. a lot of people give me crap for. <laughs> I, I just wasn't raised on that. Like, I wasn't raised playing platformers. I was raised mm-hmm. playing shooters and um, action-adventure games and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, there couldn't be anything more um, polar... Polar... I'm trying to say something clever and I fucked it up. There couldn't be something more <laughs> diametrically opposed to shooters than platformers. Yeah. I've, that's funny. I actually... Like, I have the same the same it's like the opposite it's like i love platformers and i can't really play shooters yeah like i would love to be able to be better at platformers like i i love the like latest rayman games that came out origins of legends i love those Those were great games but i cannot stand the newer mario games and i wish i was better at platformers i really wish i was but i'm just not and i've come to accept that fact (laughs) that i'm that I'm better at shooters, action games, and RPGs than I am at platformers and puzzle games. Yeah. Um, I, um... 
This is interesting. I um, was a very diehard Nintendo fanboy, and I didn't even think of it until like I talked to someone about it like a couple days ago, and I realized, wow, I was such a douche about Nintendo. <laughs> and oh like, I would get into like heated arguments with my friends over this. And nowadays, I'm just like, I don't fucking care. I want to play this PlayStation games like Shadow of the Colossus, Ico. I want to play Uncharted. I want to play Last of Us. I want to play. I don't know. God of War seems pretty hard, actually. Um, I want to play shit. What other places? Oh, Little Big Planet. Like I'm mm-hmm. not as like fixated on like one particular console. The only reason I need to be now, though, not like just to defend whatever, but it's more like I don't have all money anymore. So yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like the most recent game I've had to play because I really I don't have money is um the AM. What's this called? Another Metroid. AM2R, the Another Metroid 2 remake. I've never actually played a Metroid game, but that's probably because I was not raised on Nintendo consoles. <laughs> I need to play a Metroid game, though, because I've heard nothing but great things. They're, um... Uh, how do I explain this? They're not platformers exactly. They're kind of... Have you played the Mega Man games? No. I'm trying to figure out how to like, relate to this. But basically, they're like these ma- giant mazes, but as you advance in the game, you get like these abilities that make you that make you go back into places where you couldn't have gone into them before. Like, they're very action-oriented. Um, oh, actually, uh, Shadow Shadow Complex? I think that was on 360. Yes, I love that game. So love you're definitely going to love Metroid, because Shadow Complex is basically a Metroid game. Well, not basically. Okay. It, it's, it's, it's built its foundation from a Metroid game. So I feel okay. like that would be a natural fit for you. Okay. And uh, did you know that the, yeah, that they recently uh, just came out with a limited edition run of Shadow Complex on PS4? On PS4? Like they, yeah, they made 6,900 copies, and it's from a company called Limited Run Games. I snagged a copy because nice. I love Shadow Complex. I think they're sold out now, though, but I th- I I'm super like, excited to have it. I thought that was an Xbox exclusive. It was, but um, when the uh, current generation of consoles came up, they made it backwards compatible on the Xbox, and then I guess they decided to port it to PS4. And Limited Run Games made a limited run of the uh, physical edition of Shadow Complex, so I snagged the copy. I probably paid way too much for it, but <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited to have it, like... Uh, I think it was twenty four ninety nine for the physical copy, and I mm-hmm. already owned the digital version on the three sixty. Right. So I, I think I've probably spent like forty dollars on that game, <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth it. And I'm excited to get my hands on the physical copy when it comes. Awesome. Uh, how much? I mean, it, unless you're embarrassed by this, how much have you ever spent on a game? Like the most you've ever spent on a game. Um, I'm really cheap, so <laughs> usually I'll only spend, like, upwards of $60, like, for a brand new game that just came out. Like, for an older game, I paid $50 for Haunting Ground on PS2 from a fellow YouTuber, Scott Squatch. I don't know if you've heard of him. No, I don't think so. But, um, he's really awesome, and he sold it to me for $50, which is actually a decent price for that game, because it's very rare now. Mm. And I still haven't played it. I just own it. <laughs> but I'd say that's the most expensive game besides like brand new games that have just come out. Yeah. It was fifty dollars for Haunting Ground on PS2. 
Yeah. Do you know why that game is really is really rare? I don't think I've heard of it, so maybe that might be a part of the reason. What? The, the Haunting Grounds? I, I don't think oh, I've heard, heard, ground, ever yeah. heard of it. Yeah, it was a game. Um, I believe I believe Capcom made it. I could be wrong. Ooh. If I'm wrong, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be massacred for it. But it was. Um, it's like a survival horror game, and you play as a girl and her dog. I think you could alternate between the two. And it's basically like a successor to the Clock Tower series. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it was underrated at the time when it came out, so now it's super rare. And if you find it, it's really expensive. So $50 was pretty much a bargain for it. Wow. Because I've seen it going for like upwards of $200. Jesus, so. no. Mm-hmm. No. Like, I think the only other game that I've wanted for the PS2 that was even more expensive to get than Haunting Ground was Rule of Rose, another survival horror game. Hmm. I still don't have that game. Yeah. I'm not paying $200 for a game. <laughs> um, I- I'm just thinking because I think for a while before Earthbound was finally on the Wii U Virtual Console, oh, I think yeah. those that physical game. packages were for like... Ninety dollars or like one hundred fifty on eBay or oh, something crazy. No, they like went that. up to three hundred. Or up to I 300. swear, like they went up to three hundred dollars. I knew someone that actually bought a box copy for like two hundred and fifty dollars. I was just like, you're crazy. <laughs> like I remember playing Earthbound like on a school. Like my school gave us laptops in my school, and um, one of my friends did an illegal ROM hack of <laughs> Earthbound and put it on her laptop and let mm-hmm. me play it, and yeah. I loved it. And I wish I owned it, but since I don't have any Nintendo consoles, I'm not paying that much. I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I do own Earthbound on Wii on the Wii U. Actually. Oh, cool. Why have I not? Put, I just now remembered I have that. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Because now I know I have Earthbound and I can play it. Yay! Now <laughs> that you need to bring Mother Three over here. I have. I seriously haven't turned my Wii U on in probably at least a year. Oh gosh! And I, need, I need to turn it on because there's probably a bajillion updates on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sorry for the Wii U. I mean, even as a Nintendo Nintendo guy, it is yeah. definitely the Wii seemed to have more options in terms of games than the Wii U has. Uh, it's like first, I think this is the first console generation I've skipped, uh, just because. Um, mo- mo- most of the games I've been, have been playing more frequently, they've been on my brother's PC. And so I get to catch up on, like, um, the latest games. I think we were playing, when I was um, in Los Angeles, we were playing uh, Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain. I haven't played that yet. I've heard good things about it. But, I don't know, I adored uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, 3, and 4. Mm-hmm. But I played Ground Zeroes. I wasn't a huge fan of that. Yeah. And since the whole um, David Hayter fiasco oh, yeah. went on and like, got replaced with Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. There was, I don't know, I just never picked up the fan pain. Did you like it, though? Uh, I loved it. Um, But my brother's been playing it more because he's the more experienced... Um, uh, well, it's a third-person game, but there's, like, first-person elements in it. So he's yeah. really good at, like, killing all of the, like, the... the not the sentry droids. There are some droids some in some places. I don't pay for that. Don't don't believe me on that. I just think, I'm thinking of the walkers. <laughs> Those aren't exactly droids. Those are more like transportation. Uh, Fuck it. Okay. The, um, the Rex. The Rexes. 
Yeah, but there's like mini in 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 in, in uh, Phantom Pain. There's like mini ones that some soldiers get that can can climb okay. on, and then they have like these bigger, um, like, um, fucking goddamn it, uh, artillery cannons. <laughs> I'm swearing so much. Yeah. I apologize. Um, no, it's fine. I don't care. <laughs> Um, so there's, there's like they're, they're more of a threat to you, but my brother he's yeah. like he's like a, such a clean assassin like he can just like get through these like soldiers like nothing, like we're already oh, like, do that. yeah we're pretty yeah I mean I mean I we struggled a lot with with um, Ground Zeroes, but it feels like Phantom mm-hmm. Pain isn't quite I mean it's challenging it's certainly challenging and there was one boss fight that without spoiling it took us forty goddamn minutes, and we were crying when my brother finally beat it because. We yeah. thought we were just going to be stuck there for like another three hours, and they just suddenly did it. And it's like, oh my god. <laughs> we just embraced each other and hugged each other. It's like, oh, never again, never again, never again. Uh, you haven't played Devil May Cry 3, then have you? I have not. I've wanted, so I have wanted to play those games. I love the Devil May Cry games, and 3 is one of the best, but there was seriously one boss. It took me two days to beat and i spent like three hours Fuck. each day trying to defeat that boss oh my god and all the bosses in that game are hard but that final boss was killer <laughs> like if you want to stretch yourself out and like make your anxiety go through the roof play <laughs> devil may cry 3 and i was playing the um the special edition the dante's awakening edition where it actually allowed you to play on easy mode and it's uh-huh. still super hard <laughs> so i don't even know how people did it with the normal difficulty level right. let alone the harder ones yeah oh god that must have like, god um the- i've never I, I know this is the notorious boss battles that people always bring up but i've been lucky enough that because i think platformers don't usually have those kinds of like in RPGs especially, like, you get those boss battles that go about an hour. I yeah. don't know. I mean, I guess it's satisfying at the end, but at some point it's like, can he just fucking die already? Can he just die? Yeah. Yeah, that's how I was like when um, I played Bloodborne. Oh, yeah. I love that game, but oh, those I play that. boss I really battles. I play that. But weirdly enough, I actually want to play Bloodborne more than I want to play Dark Souls 3 because... I think there's more of an action. Um, well, there's like more like guns in um, Bloodborne, so it gives them more like more um, chances with. Um, what the fuck am I even saying? I don't even know. <laughs> well, the guns aren't very powerful. Um, you only get ten bullets at a time, and mm-hmm. the guns will only stun your enemies. So you basically shoot the enemy. And when they're stunned, you go in with your blade or saw or whatever you choose. Mm-hmm. And then you have to get a few swipes in. Then you have to get the hell away from the enemy <laughs> and then repeat. So guns aren't like, they're not going to kill the enemy for you. They're mm-hmm. just going to stun them. Okay. That still, still seems like that seems like something but I would enjoy more. It is more accessible than the Souls games, at least the first uh Three Souls games, like I'm including Demon Souls when I say that. Demon Souls, Dark Souls, and Dark Souls Two. Right. Bloodborne's way more accessible, and I've heard Dark Souls Three is more in the vein of Bloodborne than the previous Souls games. Mm-hmm. But I have a friend; he has a YouTube channel it's called Dave Control. He has played every single Souls game, and he's gotten like every platinum trophy for those games. Damn. Like, his YouTube channel is basically dedicated to those games, Holy and he's shit. so good at them. Like, he got the um, plat- 
uh, he got the I forget what it's called on Xbox 360, but for uh, Super Meat Boy, he completely got every single achievement on Super Meat Boy. Oh shit! I'm just like this guy's a gaming god. <laughs> like I, I tell him that all the time. He's like, oh, it's, it just takes practice and skill. I'm like, you're <laughs> you're completely owning Super Meat Boy, all the Souls games, the Rayman games. Like you're a gaming god. <laughs> like I don't know how he does it. Uh, there's some people that like, there's a there's a YouTube channel the YouTube channel called the Completionist. I don't know how he does it and how he does it every week. I mean, he takes a break, yeah, like a nice three month break after his season ends. But that's the only thing he does is complete games. Like I would never ever do that to myself. I I don't even do. Like, yeah. I used to complete games when I was younger, but I don't do it anymore because I just don't have the time and I don't have the patience. I complete games, but. I can only, like, sit, like, for up to two hours at a time before I have to take a break. Like, yeah, I can't yeah. sit there for hours and hours to complete a game. <laughs> so it takes me longer than most people to complete a game, but I have to complete games. Like, it will drive me crazy <laughs> if I don't. I'm OCD. I need to finish the games. Have you, I mean, you know how nearly impossible it is to, like, complete Skyrim, though. Look at, at all the achievements on Skyrim. Oh, well, yeah. Like, I... I completed the main storyline of Skyrim, and I did a whole bunch of side quests, but I still have a ton that I never even touched. <laughs> and now that it's being remastered for uh, PS4 and Xbox One, if I get that, that's going to consume so many hours of my <laughs> life over like, again. <laughs> oh, man. Um, we are going to take our break. We actually should have taken a break a couple minutes okay. ago, but I was having a, bit, a lot of fun with our conversation so far, so wanted to okay. wait out a little bit. Um, but when we come back, um, I saw your video about horror films, so we're going to talk about horror films. We're going to even talk about a particular horror icon that you despise, and we'll see what else comes up. Okay. Okay, this sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be right back, everybody. But I hope I never see them again. I know it breaks your heart Moved to the city in a broke down car And four years, no calls Now you're looking pretty in a hotel bar And I, I, I can't stop No, I, I, I can't stop So baby, pull me closer In the backseat of your Rover That I know you can't afford Bite that tattoo on your shoulder Sheets right off the corner of the mattress that you stole from your roommate back in Boulder. We ain't ever getting older. We ain't ever getting older. And we're back. Uh, taking us back is Closer by Woo! the Chainsmokers. <laughs> I've been obsessed with this song lately. <laughs> I have no, I have no idea what genre it is. What, what genre is it? Oh, I guess I'll know once I actually listen to it. It's pop. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. It's pop. <laughs> I, I like a lot. Of, I like, I like a lot of pop music. Um, mostly if it's like indie pop music, that's what I like a lot. Yeah, I like pretty much all kinds of music. Like pretty much everything besides like classical or bluegrass. Yeah. But I mean. I can find songs from pretty much every genre that loves. So, I actually have a tattoo of an eighth musical eighth on my foot. So, oh. <laughs> I'm pretty big into music. Cool. Um, right. 
So now let's 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 um we can transition back to music, but right now let's talk about let's talk about horror because okay, I know for a fact from one of your videos you said how much you hated Chucky from Child's Play. I don't actually hate him that much. It's just I've never seen a Child's Play film, and as a kid, my friends would um tell me that he would come and kill people in their sleep, basically. <laughs> And I was a very impressionable child. I had a very wild imagination yeah. and scary stuff back then I could not handle. Like, <laughs> um, I went to a Lutheran school, and every day the teacher would read stories from that book, scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh, God. And I would come home crying. Oh, Jesus. I would come home crying. I would have to sleep with my mom in her bed. So, it that I, Chucky kind of, like, has a negative... Um, association with me it's just because of that yeah but oh, I do God. eventually want to watch those films because I I hear they're more comedic now than scary yeah it's just when you're told as a kid that a doll is going to come and basically stab you while you're sleeping it, <laughs> it leaves a lasting impression no, especially it... when you're a wimpy kid that is already traumatized by sc- by scary stories to tell in the dark yeah no anybody would be I've, I've seen those i've seen those illustrations because i never got to read those books they're yes those illustrations oh, were God. terrifying there's just like even the covers of those books were they were terrible for me i would come home crying every day and oh, finally my, my mom had to send a note to the teacher saying please stop reading these stories <laughs> they're traumatizing my child <laughs> and now i love horror but back then i could not handle it yeah, um... And, like, those books, they're aimed at kids, but they're so scary. Like, if I look back on today, they're still scary. Yeah. Like, and Guillermo del Toro is actually making a film version now, and I'm kind of like, should I watch it when it comes out or not? Wow. I mean, I don't know how... Would they be really faithful? I mean, the illustrations are what make it terrifying, but I don't know if, like, the... the just adapting yeah. stories straight out would do it as well. I don't know how that would work. Although we haven't really had an anthology horror either. film in a while as well, so that'd be interesting too. Yeah, it would be. Um, I hope they go that route. I don't know. I really don't know what they have in mind for that, though. Yeah, I wonder how that would. I wonder how that would work out. Yeah, I pretty much same thing. Um, my which was the first Child's Play two? I think. I think I just walked in. Um, tell my my dad watching it with his with his friends or something, and as soon as he found out that I was ter- terrified of Chucky, he would imp- exploit that <laughs> every chance he got. Oh my gosh! And it's and it is like even more terrifying because he wouldn't he wouldn't say, "Oh, if you don't do your homework, Chucky's gonna kill you." It's just like at any point, at any time, <laughs> if you're not careful, or if you're just like drinking your juicy pop, Chucky's gonna fucking stab your throat out. It's like, fuck you, dad. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean. And now he's it's like nowadays he's kinda like the sad pathetic sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, sorry, that's mean to my dad. I apologize. He's a great well he's not great. He's a fine person. Ah, Jesus Christ, I'm saying way too much. But basically, my friends they're not my friends, fuck all of them. I don't even care. I, I'm, not, I'm not no judgment about this elementary school all any person I don't need elementary school, fuck all of them. They found out I hated Chucky, uh, and I think I think this was at the same time that Freddy vs. Jason was getting popular. 
Or it was it was in theaters? Yeah. Or it was like about to be released. So as soon as they found out that I hated Chucky, I guess they would they would say like, ah, Chucky's gonna get you, like whatever the fuck stupid <laughs> stupid thing they would do. And I had to go to a therapist in elementary school. Oh my god! Because it was bothering me that there was like one time that people kept threatening. They were threatening to like go to the Chucky website, and I was like, no, no, don't go to the Chucky website. And they. I mean, I don't know. I guess my teacher had no choice. He was kind of embarrassed, maybe, because I was a fourth grade. Yeah. But he had he sent he sent me out of the room to go to another room and cry. Oh my gosh! And I had no reason to watch those movies for about ten <laughs> years. And any other horror movie? I don't blame movie. you. No, I mean we. we Exactly, like you said, like they have such an impression that I thought, fuck these movies forever. But yeah, the first movie is the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen in my life. The first minutes, the first few minutes, and I don't fucking care about spoiling this movie because, I mean, it's fine. But it's more like I have a vendetta against <laughs> this movie, so I don't mind spoiling it. The first couple minutes are actually kind of um, terrifying because you don't know. Okay, you know because of the legacy of the movies and the character that Chucky's killing all these characters, but yeah. there's no real impression or reason. There's no... It keeps... The, people keep thinking that the, the kid is doing it, the kid who owns the Chucky doll is doing it. But then, yeah. at some point... Um, and this is a kind of terrifying scene. I think I think there's at one point I think the mother's alone with the Chucky doll and... and uh, she kind of like walks up to it, picks it up. No, I think it's... And then checks. This actually, this actually is a terrifying scene. Um, checks to see if the batteries are in, or like if the batteries are like yeah. inside of it. And then when it notices, it's like the camera pans up, and then Chucky's head like turns around and says, "Hi, I'm Chucky. Want to play?" And then she <laughs> drops the doll. No, she throws the doll like a cross. Like, I don't know. She drops it, I guess. And then. Um, <sighs> I think they she like it's like a minute. It's like a, I think they kind of paced this out a little bit, but it's like another minute before she picks it up again, and then <laughs> I I don't know. I think he says I think she says something like oh it's just a silly dummy or something, and then Chucky says you stupid bitch, and it's like where the <laughs> fuck am I? Where the fuck am I? What am I watching? <laughs> what am I watching? This movie became the most terrifying thing I'd ever seen in my life to the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen in my life. In an instant. Yeah. And it was immediately laughable. And then I was immediately like, what was I so afraid of yeah. all these years? <laughs> and the rest of the movies like that, you can kind of tell that, like, the puppet, like, the, the robot, the, 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 the puppet, not the puppet, like, the animatronic thing that they use, like, it just makes him look ridiculous. Like, even though he's talking, it's still, it looks silly. And the voice is just the most ridiculously gruff, like, I'm a bad guy. And it's just like, it's, yeah, it just becomes the most insane horror movie ever made <laughs> so definitely yeah I would check out the first one um let's see I haven't seen the second one yet I do want to and the third one I want to check out as well um Brad and Chuck I heard was pretty terrifying and that's when they redesigned his the look of him to have the scar over his eyes so I, that's actually yeah. kind of creepy um I don't remember what the last Chucky movie was I think it was a directed DVD movie but it was actually really good from what I heard what was it called I don't remember, but... There was uh, Seed of Chucky and then um, Curse of Chucky, That's I think, one. is the last one. That's the one. I heard really, really good things about that one. 
like they actually like they went back to the horror the horror um, aspect of the original movies, and it's a lot more um, in line with those movies. Like it's not as I mean it's still ridiculous because it's a fucking doll that comes to life and no can kill it for some reason because you just throw that fucker in the yeah. fire or whatever you know, but <laughs> <laughs> you saw your you saw your plot like right there. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I definitely recommend the first one, just if you want to have, like, a good laugh. Maybe watch it with your friends, like, since you still have that reservation of of the, you know, like, the grounded childhood thing. It's definitely real, because, like I said, the first few minutes, the first, like, 30 or so minutes of the movie were terrifying, and then as soon as the fucking doll talks, it's like, I, what was I even scared of this whole time? I think I can actually watch this by myself, because, funny story, when Conjuring 2 came out, I don't know if you seen this i've heard but um yeah i i went to go see it the opening week and i went on tuesday at 10 a.m got to the theater there was no one there oh my god so go in to watch this movie and this has never happened to me before i was in the theater completely by myself so the conjuring 2 is about demonic possession uh-huh. So during this whole entire movie, I'm by myself, and every time there's a jump scare or something, I would look over my shoulders, <laughs> and I could swear I was seeing things crawling in my peripheral vision. Oh, I was freaking oh, out. God. I almost had a panic attack in the theater. <gasps> oh, God. That was the most terrifying experience I've ever had, being oh, completely alone in a, in a dark theater watching Conjuring 2, so I think I can handle Child's Play by Child's myself. Play should be no problem after that. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that because... Gee, I can't... Wow, that's... 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 Holy shit. Like, I always dreamed of being in a movie theater by myself and seeing a movie and, like, not being disrupted by one, but that was not the one I was aiming for that to happen with. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually, um... After I got out of the movie, I actually did a video of myself, like, reacting to the film. I had tears coming down out of my <laughs> eyes. And everything, oh. and I tweeted it, and James Wan, director, saw it, and he liked it, oh, and shit. I was like, oh my gosh, James Wan. Oh my god. James Wan just saw me crying after watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, my fucking hair awesome. Was all, like, my, my hair was messy for me, like, running my hands through it. I had tears running down my oh, face. My I looked terrible. And I was just like, I'm just going to post this and um, on Twitter and Facebook so my friends can see yeah, my yeah. experience with watching Conjuring 2 by myself. And then yeah. I noticed it said, James Wan likes your tweet. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is the director saw that. Is that the James Wan or is that just the fan account that says fan of James Wan? It's like, holy shit. No, the, the legitimate James Wan That's Twitter crazy. account. That is just crazy. And he also liked it on Instagram too. Wow. <laughs> holy shit. But I look like crap and James Wan saw me. <laughs> Maybe he subscribed to your channel. I mean, I don't think he subscribed to me, which that would be awesome. But, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite horror movies of recent years. Awesome. And it terrified me. <laughs> that was bit, I mean, I'm kind of glad I had that experience, to be honest. Yeah, no, because now there's like that's the baseline of okay, if a horror movie can do this to me, then uh, I'll see it with friends, or I'll see it. I don't know. I'll see it with the lights on. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I don't really have any friends here where I live, so I always watch movies by myself. But I feel like now, since I've seen The Conjuring Two by myself, completely by myself. 
Mm -hmm. I can pretty much watch anything without being affected. <laughs> um, I think the only two times I've cried in a movie theater was the ending of Toy Story 3 and Inside Out. I didn't cry during either of those movies. I... Okay. <laughs> I did cry, though, um, from the halfway point to the end of The Fallen Our Stars. Me and my mom went to watch that. And oh, yeah. From the halfway point to the very end, we were both bawling. The entire theater was bawling. <laughs> and then I bought it on Blu-ray and watched it a second time. And I didn't cry as much the second time, yeah. but I still cried a lot. Yeah. So movies do make me cry, but for some reason, Toy Story 3 and Inside Out didn't do it to me. Yeah. But usually they do. Usually Pixar movies do make me cry. Like, I cried like a baby during Up. I oh, cried gosh. during Finding Nemo. Yeah. Um... But I'm scared to watch Finding Dory because Finding Nemo made me cry so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I really went to see that when it was in theaters and I missed out on it. I think there was a chance I could have seen it, but I think it was like the week before I was going to fly back to L.A. And I thought, I'm just, just going to enjoy my... It's also like money I need to spend, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what are, what are your... Because you say you like horror, so... Mm -hmm. How did that develop? Like, how did you eventually become an aficionado of horror rather than a, a, um, I don't know, like someone who detracted from horror? Well, last year I met this group of people uh, on YouTube. It started with Johnny Tay as the Hopper Geek, his YouTube channel, and they were just obsessed with horror, and I just felt kind of left out because I couldn't contribute to the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I started watching... Um, the Nightmare on Elm Street films, which I fell oh. in love with. Freddy is one of my favorite slashers now. Oh. And those are some of my favorite horror films. I adore yeah. the Scream films. And then I started watching the Friday the 13th movies, the Hellraiser films, Evil Dead, Cabin in the Woods. And I just fell in love with the genre because of them, because they loved it so much. Yeah. So now I just, I pretty much watch everything. Movies that deal with demonic possession still get to me. Mm-hmm. But... I can handle some of them, but I still have not seen The Exorcist, and I'm scared to watch The Exorcist. I can understand that. Is, is that because of your, your upbringing? That you're, do you have a problem with demonic possession? Partly because I was, um, I did go to a Lutheran school up until sixth grade, and right. um, I went to church for a very long time, so we were taught that demonic possession is a very real thing. It actually happens. God. So it's still ingrained in me that you know, that could happen. Yeah. So I'm like, ugh. <laughs> and like, I can't prove that it doesn't happen, and I can't prove that it does happen, so I'm just like, I still feel like I'm taking a risk with these films. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit, what was I just which thinking made, about? Which made The Conjuring 2 even more terrifying for me, by the way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Have you... Because I think this might be the most terrifying thing that ever happened to somebody. But the, the like some people that they wake up, but they can't move their bodies, they can't do anything, and that, that's like something that happens to somebody for twenty. I don't know if what the condition's called. I would never um, ever want that to happen to me. Yeah, I forget what it's called too, but yeah, I don't want that to happen either. That sounds just absolutely horrifying. Yeah. And not like not be able to like communicate to anybody that you're trapped in your body, basically. That yeah. That sounds like. Why hasn't someone made a movie? Well, actually, they did make a movie about that. Cause they made a documentary about it. Oh, what was the documentary called? Um, 
Oh, crap. I forget what it's called. I haven't seen it. It's on Netflix, I know. Um, it's got mixed reviews. Some people say it's really terrifying, and some people say it's not very good. <laughs> I can't remember what it's called, though. Uh-huh. But I know it's on Netflix. Yeah. The movie I'm thinking about, this was made in 2007, I think. I think it was 2007. It was called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. I think it's it's a... Oh, yeah. I think it's like I've heard of that one. similar situation, or I think it's like someone who like wrote their memoir, but it's like over years and years and years, and then they eventually adapted it to film. And I think it's the same problem that they couldn't really move their body, or really, really communicate. Yeah, um, I have, I think I actually have that movie, and I'm like, I'm sure to check it out one of these days. Um, Exorcist is. <sighs> I also had my reservations about watching The Exorcist. I actually had to watch it for. I chose to watch it for my horror film class because we had to write a paper on it, mm-hmm. and. Um, the only reason I was terrified of The Exorcist actually was because of the the maze game. I don't know if you remember this. Oh yes, I someone pulled that trick on me in my ah, high school. Um, okay, hey, sorry. I did a video production class in high school, which taught me nothing because <laughs> our teacher taught us nothing. Seriously, like he let us uh, leave campus and go get donuts and go to Walmart and stuff. Anyway, Jesus. one day one of my friends was like, "Hey, Alyssa." play this game. I didn't know what it was. I was like, okay, sure, yeah. whatever. So, yeah. I'm like, do-do-do-do-do, playing this maze game, and at the end, her face popped yeah. up, and I screamed and jumped in my chair, and everyone yeah. looked at me in class. My teacher came running in the cl- in the room, he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, uh, the, the, the game scared me, and then everyone started laughing at me. Assholes. Everyone's like, you haven't played that before? I was like, no. Like I didn't know what to expect of the stupid maze at the end of the maze. Yeah, but that was terrifying. <laughs> oh, that's a dirty trick. I I remember when I think my science teacher loved him to death, but he like there was this German commercial of this car. Yes, that you seen that commercial. one too. Yeah. I fucking hate that commercial. I still... one of our teachers saw showed that to one of my like a science teacher or showed it to. So it's the science teachers that pull out the weird shit. Yeah, they're like, watch this. And we're like, okay, why are we watching a car commercial? Ah! <laughs> Everyone screamed when that uh, face popped up at the end. <laughs> I hate And our that teacher shit. thought it was hilarious. I fucking hate, I hate jump scares. I do too. Like, those are the ones that get me more than anything. There aren't jump scares in The Exorcist. It's disturbing. I'll definitely say it's disturbing. The, I actually think, um... The disturbing implications of it, I think, because of a, of a little girl being possessed. But yeah. I think in some studies, or like in some papers I, re- I wrote, like it's kind of like, oh, this is kind of like the person going through the, the little girl going through puberty, or this is her developing her into a woman, um, and this is how she's reacting violently. Um, and um, how in the paper I wrote, um, which is interesting, because the only source we could use was the film. We, we were encouraged not to go to the internet. It was yeah. interesting because this is one of the few horror films where. Even though the characters know that the the villain, well, not the villain, but more like the, it's not a villain really. It's like the the source of trouble, I guess. Yeah. There's a word for this, but I don't know. The antagonist. We'll call it, we'll call it the antagonist. Mm-hmm. They have to go to the antagonist to go, interact with it, knowing that it's endangering their lives because they have to because she stays in her room basically for the the whole time she's possessed, and that's that really interesting. Situation of usually it's like people running away from a monster or a or a uh, a killer, and in this instance they have to go to it in order to save it. Yeah. And I thought that was a very interesting thing that the film was trying to do. I think unless demon possession really 
bothers you. I think because it was made in the 70s that the special effects are kind of a little... They're still terrifying, but they've, they're definitely aged over yeah. time. I think it wouldn't be too bad because there's like moments of horror, but then it's like five minutes of exposition. So there's breathing oh, yeah. room. And I think that's what can make it better for you to watch it. Yeah, like with The Conjuring 2... There was barely any breathing room in that film. <laughs> it was packed full of jump scares and, like, disturbing imagery and stuff. Right. And then you get, like, 30 minutes of disturbing imagery, jump scares, and then, like, five minutes of talking, then 30 minutes of terror, then maybe five minutes of talking, and then so on and so forth. <laughs> um, I think I do want to... I want to check it out, though. Um, the horror film class actually made me very adaptable to horror films. I actually want to watch more horror films mm -hmm. my favorite horror film i think we watched in that class was the shining for sure oh that i actually hate the shining i cannot really? stand that film is it i because find it, it i find it boring and not scary at all wow and I, is it i do not like stanley kubrick as a director ben <laughs> wow this is interesting and i literally was bored to tears during the Shining for the whole two and a half hour runtime. I did not understand why everyone found it terrifying because <laughs> I was not terrified. The only thing I found even remotely scary was um, Danny Torrance having Toby. Tony is Toby, right? Yeah. And going red rum, red rum. Yeah. But like that, even that wasn't that scary. And I was just like, why are people finding this so terrifying? <laughs> and this was before I was. I, like, I watched The Shining, like, before I became obsessed with horror movies. Mm -hmm. So, I was like, why are people finding this scary? I just didn't understand it. And then, um, I recently tried to watch 2001 A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> I thought it was overrated. And yeah. I, I just do not like Kubrick as a director, apparently. Um... Hmm. Is that the only other Spielberg movie you've seen? Uh, yeah, but I don't... I feel like since I've seen those two, I'm kind of wary to watch anything else just because I've heard he is very style over substance. He uses a lot of imagery instead of, like, uh, narrative and exposition. Mm -hmm. So I don't really want to watch A Clockwork Orange or Dr. Strangelove anymore now because of that. I would say... Doctor Strange, if at least, is still like a like a really dark comedy about the nuclear, about you know nuclear annihilation. So I think there's not as much of that pretentious and admittedly pretentious imagery in that one. Mm -hmm. Clockwork Orange definitely takes that check mark. I think very, it's very much that. I think the only reason why I would recommend uh, Doctor Strange Love is because of Peter Sellers, who is the person he plays like four characters in that movie. Mm -hmm. Like, he plays Dr. Strangelove, he plays the, um... Oh, Jesus, what the fuck is his name? King Kong Bundy? No, that's a wrestler. There's, like, a character, I think he's, like, King Kong something. I don't remember. I think maybe it is King Kong Bundy. I don't remember. He plays, with like, this crazy Texan. He plays the president. Um, I think there's more in that movie that you'll appreciate. Um, no, I don't mean appreciate. I don't mean... I, I love Kubrick myself, but that's because I'm a pretentious film prick. <laughs> no. I think there's more accessible things in Doctor Strange than there are in other movies. I was about to also recommend Paths of Glory, but I, I guess I can see how that movie can be boring. It's an anti... It's a, it's a war film from the 50s, mm -hmm. but that one, the pacing of it is also... can be a little taxing. I 100% agree with you about 2001 Space Odyssey in that it's boring, 
Not boring. Mm-hmm. In that it's excruciating. Yeah. But I love those kinds of movies, so that's why I I do. Well, I haven't seen it since twelfth grade of high school. Yeah. Um, so I, if I watched it again, I don't know if I'd have the same effect. But I also actually really do appreciate image imagery in film. I also know when it I might sometimes be like, like it overpowers the overall, you know, you know the pacing of a film. Like if sometimes it's like more about the visuals rather than everything else. I think I saw Brazil yeah. recently by Terry Gilliam. And oh yeah, I actually really liked that one. Yeah, and I just loved how exaggerated everything about it was. I just yeah. loved how it's like exuberant and like world building it was. I know world building is more of a term for video games, but I definitely like this whole crazy totalitarian um, like island was just. It just felt so natural, yeah. Despite how mechanical it was, um, that's that's something I appreciate about Kubrick. I know that it, I can. He, I can definitely understand why he's like, I, I, like if, like I think in Los Angeles there was like an exhibit on him on in, on, in the, what the fuck is this called? The Los Angeles Contemporary Museum. LACMA. LACMA. Um, and there was an exhibit on him, and I feel like that's that's probably like where more appreciation of him would come, like just saying like how much. But he's also an asshole. He was an asshole. He's a perfectionist, <laughs> so that's also a fair reason to hate him as well. Yeah. Um, but like just looking at the visuals of his like just as like paintings or like the picture like that you can look at like I think that's where like just like that's that one shot of like the pen like floating up in the air and like how doing that in the 1960s like those kinds of special effects years mm-hmm. before Star Wars was even in well maybe like Lucas was thinking about making Star Wars or like he was like starting the, the genesis of it but just like those kinds of like breathtaking special effects in those days just he was definitely a pioneer, but he was also definitely an asshole, and he can definitely be boring. <laughs> I'll give you all those things. Um, but yeah, that's just that's just how I think. That's how I like to think yeah. about it. I mean, I appreciate his imagery and what he was trying to do. I just feel like it's not it wasn't appropriate for those films, and it definitely mm-hmm. padded the films out way more than they should have been. I think so, and I think. Shining is probably the only two hour and that two and a half hour horror film that's ever been made. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, uh, The Conjuring Two is two hours and fifteen minutes. Oh wow! But that was nothing compared to The Shining in the length of what of like how my enjoyment levels. Like I enjoyed The Conjuring Two, so that length didn't bother me. The Shining mm-hmm. felt even longer than two and a half <laughs> hours to me. It was excruciating, and I will. I doubt I will ever watch The Shining again. That's fair. Um, but I think my uh, the horror films I like the most are the ones that don't have jump scares. The ones that where they they, they build like an atmosphere of of of, um, of tension. Mm-hmm. Like Alien is one of my favorite movies. Jaws. Oh, I love Alien. Um, have you seen the original 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I have, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> See. And, like, I never really understood why people said it was so gory and scary because when I watched it, I was like, there's not a lot of gore. It's not super scary, but it's very well done. <laughs> and the thing was, like, these college students were running to the house where Leatherface was. So, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like he was stalking them or, like, they were basically coming to him. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so, I didn't see why it was as controversial as it was. Or as it was made out to be. Yeah. But I still really enjoyed it. 
I... <sighs> I appreciate it for what it is. I will never see it again. I actually thought... You know how you have a problem with demon demonic possessions? I thought that film invaded my body when I was watching it. Mm. By just how grotesque it was. By how... The real... Well, not the realism, but more like just how... Um... Just, just how grimy it was, even though it was shot beautifully. Like, the, some of the shots were actually, like, just the shot of the house, like, how cur- perfectly balanced it was. Just this atmosphere of, of of horror that felt invasive, that felt like it was, like, like a new level of disturbing. Like, just the scene of, like, the really crazy guy, like, cutting himself open, cutting his wrist open, and there's, like, just, like, trying to kick him out of the van or something. Like, just... Oh, yeah. Just... Leatherface and his crazy, um, um, his, um, family, <laughs> his family, but not just that, but also like his workshop with all the bodies oh, yeah. and like how he had like someone impaled like on one of those like pig things. It mm-hmm. just unsettled me to an, to a degree I would not, I was not expecting. And, um, I know it wasn't gory and that wasn't really what disturbed me, but it was more like how. I don't know. I it just felt. I don't know. I, I can't think of any other word now other than just invasive. Yeah. Like it's, it's like there's the line between reality and fiction is kind of blurred in this movie because this could be an actual psychopath who just decides to just take someone, and like other oh, characters were definitely shallow and they weren't really. I guess in that new capacity of horror films where it's like you're cheering for the bad guy to kill um, the stupid teenagers. I gotta get that. But yeah. just watching the main, the the, the final girl, uh, I really feel bad that I don't remember her name, but it's been a while since I've seen this movie. Like, yeah. like breaking through the window, like somehow like being able to like run away from the family, and like Leatherface almost like chopping her up. It's like I don't know. It got to, <laughs> it really affected me. It was like I yeah. couldn't tell. I couldn't see the special effects, or I couldn't see the. Like, oh, here's where they set up the trick, and here's where they plotted out this particular shot for a long time. I just couldn't, I just couldn't differentiate between it. It was way too, it was, weird enough to say, though, because like, none of the movies get a lot more ridiculous. In this one, in particular, though, it just, I just couldn't differentiate between reality and fiction, and that's, I think, the most disturbing thing about it. Okay. But that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> I personally adore slasher films. They're my favorite horror films, so they don't really bother me to that extent. Yeah. It's more about, like, the demonic possession and uh, ghost stuff that gets to me. Right. Or, like, maybe, like, um, what am I thinking about? Uh, well, I guess Jaws would be an example of a horror film where it's just, like, it's, like, a natural creature. I mean, obviously, Sharks are not as big as bruce was the shark yeah bruce <laughs> but um but just imagine like a natural kind of terror that could just come out of nowhere that's good those 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 do get to me a lot um well, I the funny thing with joss was I, I remember seeing it as a little kid and even though i was scared of so many things as a kid i watched jaws and i knew that jaws was a robotic shark yeah so it never scared me like i was <laughs> very calm for a child it didn't terrify me of like water or anything i was like that's clearly a robot (laughs) i'm like there's no way i'm safe 
I don't know why that didn't scare me when other things did, but yeah. I mean, I love Jaws, but it just never scared me because I was always <laughs> just like, that's a robot. <laughs> it's always funny, like, we actually think about when we were a child and thinking, those are, the, those are the things that disturbed me, but this didn't disturb me as much. Yeah. I can't think of an example of something that I was terrified of uh, that someone else wasn't. Um, no, I can't think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> My memory's really bad. I feel like maybe I have Alzheimer's. I, I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> what did I just? Why did I say that? I don't know. <laughs> Free speech. Free speech. <laughs> I say weird stuff in my videos all the time. And I'm just like, why did I say that? It's funny. I'll keep it in. <laughs> What was it like? One of your inside Alyssa White videos, I think you started off, and it was like your 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 greeting was too. You felt like it was too optimistic, not optimistic, but like too high pitched. Yeah, like I can't even remember like that, but yeah, I'll just go with stuff. Like I'll say something, and I'm just be like I'm going with it. It's funny. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think we're right about the end. Okay. I've had a lot of fun. Yeah, I've had a lot of fun as well. Um, I actually get to talk about horror films. I don't get to think about horror films a lot, though, so this has been very eye-opening for me. It's been fun for me, too. I don't get to talk about those either as much, or video games or anything in general, <laughs> because I don't have a lot of friends in real life. So, oh. <laughs> so oh, I just make my videos. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that's... I'm sure I think it's all... I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to be encouraging, but I'm also trying not to be an asshole. It's fine. I don't never... I never know what to say. I always say the wrong thing. I say the wrong thing all the time, and I usually don't regret it. <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> I seriously don't give a shit about anything anymore. I'm just like, I'm going to do and say whatever I want. I don't care. Oh god, it's that, my life. That must be a freeing way to live. I just became this way not too long ago. <laughs> so I just, I'm just tired of being censored and being told what to do. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm just gonna do what I want, say what I want, post what I want, <laughs> and I don't care what other people think. If they don't like it, they don't have to be friends with me. They don't have to follow me. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's my life, so. Yeah. Be yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'll give I'll I'll give that a shot. Well, you're awesome, so oh god, no problem with it. Ah, you don't have to say that. Thank you. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> I never know how to respond when someone compliments me. <laughs> uh, actually, before we get to the end portion. Shout out to Sean from Horribly Awkward Podcast for making this happen. Yes. He's an Sean awesome, awesome. awesome person. <laughs> uh, very humbled that he sent out that tweet saying, anybody want Alyssa, uh, Alyssa White on the show? And I was... <laughs> okay, this might be too opening. Don't judge me, <laughs> but I was at a Hooters. Uh, <laughs> and I was with my friend. And um, we, 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 because we hadn't gone... Because we, the last time we went to a UFC fight, because we saw UFC 202 was at a Hooters and it was like six years ago 
or five years ago actually, because that would have been 2011. And he said, "Oh, let's go back. To, let's just go to Hooters and for all time's sake." And so, say, hey, sure. <laughs> and then, like, just like, like I think while we were ordering, um, like our hot wings or something, I think we got like bacon wrapped barbecue wings. Yeah. There's, it's pretty good actually. It's actually pretty good. I like, I got, it, I got the tweet from Sean, and then I immediately just like, oh, you followed me on Twitter. Oh, should I just go like <laughs> to say, yeah, do you want to be on my show? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you were not... actually the first one to reach out to me, so that meant a lot to me. Oh, um, well, I mean, um, <laughs> I don't never. I'm sorry. I just never know how to respond. You're fine. <laughs> That, this was definitely a, this was definitely a lot of fun. Um, it was. <laughs> so taking us out today is "Let It Go" by James Bay. As always, you can find our podcast at randomchatterings.weebly.com. You can find us on Twitter at our Twitter handle at ranchatpodcast. You can email us at ranchatpodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Blueberry by searching "Random Chatterings," a silly podcast from silly people. And our question of the week is: What is your favorite horror film? Uh, Alyssa, where can people find you? They can find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash unchartedgirl88, or you can check out my website, alleycatgeekery.com. That is <laughs> A-L-Y-C-A-T-G-E-E-K-E-R-Y.com. And I'm on Twitter at Lissarie, L-I-S-S-A-R-I-E. And I have an Instagram at it's Alyssa White. And yeah, I'm pretty much everywhere. So, <laughs> are you on Snapchat? I do have a Snapchat nice. at Lissari88 L I S S A R I E eight eight. Follow me everywhere. We'll be best friends. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks a lot for thanks a lot for coming by. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, take care, everybody. Bye. Throwing clothes across the floor To teeth and claws and slamming doors at you If this is all we're living for Why are we doing it, doing it, doing it anymore Was there something you were going to look for? I think there's something you said there's something you're going to look for. Then they see if And It Begins is a movie or not. Oh, is it? Uh, hold on. <laughs> um, actually, no, there is not a movie in that. Ooh, so that means you I can, can make, make one. I can make that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs>